0: Greetings everybody, this is a Travel Addict Podcast where you can hear candid stories and discussions about business and adventure travel from around the world. With activities such as trekking, diving, camping, driving, cruising and just plain chilling out somewhere, we talk about lots of experiences in places all over the world including the grand, the remote, the edgy, the risque and ones of questionable merit. Education, fulfillment and wonder enrich our lives. And of all the books in the world, the best stories are found between the pages of a passport. Stay tuned. Good morning, everybody. Malcolm Teasdale here, the day after St. Patrick's Day. Hope everyone's doing well. Yes, I am the travel addict. And today, I have a gentleman here who's traveled around a bit. It's David McNeil who was actually living in Porto in the great country of Portugal right now. And he was a founder of a company called Expat Empire. Now, I think this is sort of important, especially this day and age. What does he do? I'm going to let him explain that. It's quite valuable. So, uh, David, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on the show, Malcolm.
0: Pleasure. Pleasure. Now, I'm an expat myself, having been... uh, i born and raised in England, country England, but I've also lived in uh, Ottawa, Canada for a couple of years, and in Singapore for, for a couple of years. I'm in the States now. Where will be next? I just don't know. <laughs> but you specialize in this, uh, David, don't you? Um, you? You run the expat empire, and there's a big need for that. Um, so please explain to everyone exactly what you bring to the table. What do you offer people?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So there's definitely a couple of different aspects to it, but I'll try to keep it short. Uh, so we uh, first just create a bunch of content as far as our podcasts and blog posts and uh, meetup events here in Porto and all kinds of things online and in person um, to really get the word out there and inspire people to move abroad and live abroad, whatever that uh, whatever form that takes for them. Um, but then ultimately, we also provide a lot of uh, different consulting services, personalized consulting services for people who want to go abroad. Um, more for the long term so whether they're retirees or want to be you know wanting to retire abroad finding a local job in another country or become a digital nomad we can help them do that through some of our services like destination comparison to help them compare different places that they can move to cities or countries and help make a decision if they're still deciding between a couple of them or want some suggestions. Uh, We help people with their foreign you know international job applications and really coming up even with a strategy for how to apply for jobs in another country, because they usually use a lot of different tools and, uh, sites and, you know, the, the way that you approach it and the way you build your resume is going to be really important. Um, helping people think through how they can do remote work, um, you know, uh, doing coaching as well. So I've helped a lot of people one-on-one with, uh, with coaching services to help them think through their different challenges along the way. And we have a timeline planning service where we help, uh, really people to, Visualize truly visualize all the steps they need to take to to be able to move abroad so that's not just in their home country where they are now but then also uh, to to leave there and then also to get settled into the new country in the first 12 months um there's as as i'm sure you know many of the listeners know so many different steps that people have to take and i think it's more of a fear of Uh, what they don't know that they need to do and are afraid of, uh, you know, getting getting, uh, some challenges down the road, let's say, whether just time consuming or uh, expensive challenges if they forget to do something there. So a lot of different aspects that we can help with in terms of our services and also those of our partners. So if people want help with the immigration process, with finding a house and a new destination, um, you know, the paperwork and you know, relocating their pets, all of that good stuff, we can help with that as well through our global partner network. Yeah. So we really just try to help basically anyone to move abroad or to go abroad in the way that works best for them, starting from maybe the day one when they're just thinking about it for the first time, or if they already have a destination in mind and just need someone to help them with the paperwork, you know, we have the partners that can help them do that as well. So um, happy to, you know, tell you more about that and talk about it more and hear your experiences moving abroad as well. Um, but if anyone's interested, they can definitely check out expatempire.com I'd be happy to chat with them there.
0: Excellent. Excellent indeed. Um, it might surprise a lot of people, especially even in, in the States. I tried to look this up before we got online here. The number of Americans who left the country last year. Um, it's been sort of strange over the last few years because of COVID. So being a digital nomad has become, you know, I would say commonplace, but is uh, more and more accepted now. You can work Mm -hmm. from anywhere, the technology is there, and you can basically go anywhere, and it's more accepted to foreign countries. But the number of people who left the USA last year, um, it's, well, what I'm reading, it's over a million people. Do you have any numbers regarding that?
1: To be honest, off the top of my head, or sort of at my fingertips, I don't have any, but that's certainly something that we're seeing in the numbers of people reaching out to us. And you know, we do try to help anyone to move anywhere. So we don't uh, say we don't help people moving here or or we're not just focused a certain group of people. But what we're seeing is the vast majority of folks that we actually work with in terms of our you know clients are Americans wanting to move to Europe if I were to kind of boil it down to the most simple sort of profile. Um, And yeah, just a lot of Americans wanting to move abroad that need help to make the process happen because there's so much to look at from a tax perspective, a legal perspective and healthcare care, um, all the stuff that I'm sure, you know, uh, maybe more than you want to know about. Um, but yeah, uh, a lot of things to think through. And of course, it's not like having an EU passport where you're just able to jump to the next country or a couple countries no. down. It's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a whole different experience. And so helping people through that is something that we're really passionate about. And it's, I think, a great time, despite, of course, the challenges of the pandemic and everything else going on in the world right now. Um, despite those challenges, I think it's a really good time for us to be, you know, building awareness and, and just getting into the conversation because this is what people are thinking about. And so if we can play even a small role in helping people to, you know, have great life experiences and, and have some life-changing experiences for that matter, then uh, we're very excited about it. Yeah.
0: Um, I talk about this with other people here and a lot of people don't understand why you we would want to move out of the United States. All right. Well, they haven't done it before. Mm -hmm. they got no interest in doing it. But there are certain reasons why people may want to do it, and it may have a lot to do with money. Um, For example, you mentioned something about a minute ago there, healthcare. Well, (laughs) healthcare is expensive here in in the uh, United States. I remember what my premium was uh, before I went on Medicare, and it's just an unbelievable amount and adding to the deductible of that as well and so many people here go bankrupt each year through medical bills mm-hmm. and you collectively you look at western europe zero people go bankrupt it and it's that's a yeah. factor for sure plus we've got inflation going on here so that's i get that and you know when you look at quality of healthcare um around the world it's very good in a number of places you would not expect i think france and uh Spain are probably the top 2 ranked healthcare systems in the world finland is as right. well so what are the main reasons that you see today that people want to get out of town so to speak is it healthcare is it they just want to see some part of the rest of the world is it cost standard of living what is it that you see
1: yeah, sure. Well, because we help so many people to move for all different kinds of reasons, of course, we're we're seeing the reasons that we hear and see really run the gamut. Um, it could be that they, uh, you know, have, are in a long distance relationship and they want to be with that partner in another country or, um, you know, they want to study abroad or they're just like interested in German culture, for example, and want to head to Germany. So, of course, you see those things. But definitely, if you're talking about, um, you know, more recently, Americans wanting to leave uh, the U.S. and go somewhere else, it does tend to kind of revolve around uh, some of the political discussions and, and and opinions that people have about these things. It's definitely healthcare. It's cost of living. It's, um, it's sometimes it's the pace of life. You know, they're just looking for something a little outside of the typical rat race that I, I, at least from what I hear and you know, people feel a bit caught up in right now uh, or, or more recently in the United States. Um, and... There's also some tax benefits, and possibilities, and things like that. So, of course, that comes into play as well. Um, so, honestly, a lot of different reasons. But it, I suppose it, if I were to, you know, put it generally, there are a lot of financial reasons. So, let's say uh, I think you're on the money for that. But um, I also am of the personal opinion that if that's the only reason you're going abroad, it might be difficult for you to find the overall life satisfaction that you're looking for. I think it's good to have a little, you know, something else and and realize that you're going to different country and culture and perhaps language and set of expectations and having to build a new network, all those challenging things to make sure that you're aligned on, on that and your expectations there as opposed to just doing it for financial reasons. But obviously, people bring a lot of different uh, you know backgrounds and, and reasons and yeah, walks I mean, of life to the table. Yeah, yeah they
0: can't just uh, obviously, uh, I need to get out of the country. I want to fly tomorrow and just take a chance. You've, you've got to do your homework on this. You live in Portugal. Currently, and I have a good friend in England. He has a place in Portugal down in the Isle Garve. And mm-hmm. and I know Portugal, Portugal has become uh Target's wrong word, but a, a desirable destination for people to live in mm-hmm. in recent years. And there's a reason for that. Maybe cost of living, maybe it is healthcare. Um, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I, how long have you been in Porto? That's northern Portugal, I believe. How long have you been there? Yeah.
1: Yeah, so uh, my wife and I moved here from Berlin, Germany, in November 2019. Uh, so, yeah, just about—I mean, closing in on two and a half years, let's say. And two and a half years. Porta the whole time,
0: yeah. Yeah. Funny you should mention Berlin. There, I will be in Berlin at the end of June.
1: Wow. Well, <laughs> no, I'm only for, to be only for two or
0: three days. <laughs> it's like a layover because I'm going over to England, and, uh, yeah. and the wife and I are just renting a, a cottage in the English countryside. And originally, from there, we see the family and all that, and then. Uh then just go into uh, um, Lithuania and then um, uh, Berlin for a couple of days to see a lot of the stuff happening, but, you know, anything related to the, the World War II, which um, I'm, okay. I'm looking forward to. So is it worth visiting?
1: <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, at least it sounds like you'll be there, you know, fingers crossed at some of the ideal uh, temperature and weather. As far as the, the summer is short, but it is pretty amazing. And it's usually, let's say, you know, June to – August, September kind of time frame. Unfortunately, a lot of the rest of the time is quite dreary and cold and cloudy, but, um, you know, that at least sounds like you're planning to go during a pretty pretty ideal, um, you know, time where you can pretty well assume that it's going to be good weather, and and that that's uh, that's always a good thing.
0: David, I'm from England. I'm used to this stuff.
1: Uh, I, I know, but uh, I think... What I would say is if you only see Berlin specifically, but or or particularly rather um during the summer, then I think it's easy to fall in love with it. Okay. <laughs> if right. you if you only see it uh, if you then go in January, <laughs> your opinion might change. But of course, yeah, you're coming with a I mean, sounds like you're you're enjoying some warm weather now, but of course you have that background in okay. another um, place like <laughs> that.
0: <laughs> All right. Hey, now now notice um you lived in Japan, but you speak Japanese, right?
1: Right.
0: Funny, because I spoke to someone yesterday and, uh, they spoke Japanese as well because they lived there for a while. So, hmm. and what's the story behind it? you lived in where Tokyo, right? I believe.
1: Right. So that was the first place I lived more, let's say, long-term it's for two years there, uh, after leaving the United States more permanently. So, um, that said, I did start studying Japanese when I was 12, actually. So I've been studying it for a very long time. uh, And I was already pretty, pretty darn fluent by the time that I moved there. And of course, being there helped to increase it even further. But I would say that's been my, you know, one of my driving passions, even from when I was a teenager was studying Japanese and language, uh, the culture. And so being able to be there was incredible. But I'd also say that given that I studied it for so long, for like 15 years before I was finally able to live there uh, and then left after two years, which, you know, we could talk about that, but it was more job-based reasons um it's become more difficult to really invest in german for example or portuguese i mean of course i'm learning the basics but when you climb a mountain i think such a high mountain like a language like japanese it's um and you only live there for two years it's, it's a little hard to be like okay let's start the ascent again if you don't really know what the future holds
0: Well, about Tokyo, Um, I've I've been there myself, but I have a relative that lives there as well, and uh, he married a Japanese lady. They live west of Tokyo now, towards the mountains. Um, Tokyo is a very safe place, Mm -hmm. I I believe, and uh, it is sort of uh, busy, exciting. So it's it's a a good place to uh, to to visit. I was down a trade show way back when in Chiba, actually. Then I went to Mm -hmm. downtown Tokyo for a couple of nights there. It's uh, very good. So. What you do then, because uh, you're helping people move, and they have a reason they want to get out of the country, and you t- you you get them focused on a place where they made might enjoy. Could be a beach, mm-hmm. could be a city, could be a small town somewhere. And these are their dreams. They want to do this based on whether a digital nomad or they're retiring, which I'm assuming is um, a popular one, mm-hmm. or they get a job somewhere, or they want to find work somewhere. So. Right. So you guide them into this process and tell them, well, the cost of living here is such and such, all right? So yeah. you go through all the specifics, and actually you're probably down to the fact that you can tell them, well, can you really afford to move over here? I don't know, yeah. because some places <laughs> in the world are grossly expensive, like Geneva, Switzerland, or oh, yeah. Iceland. Uh, I mean, that are extremely expensive, so you wouldn't move there for the cost of living. So, yeah, right. so in your... Um, your view today and you deal with digital nomads, retirees or employees and all the places you work with, what's the most, what's the most favorite place today where people think about going to?
1: Well, <laughs> I mean, you alluded to it before, and of course I try to be biased based here, but I'm going to be honest, it's absolutely Portugal. Um, and look there might be a factor of me being here and of course people are reaching out maybe because of that or some of the other conversations I've had with folks and things of that nature but, um, but there are a lot of reasons that people are headed here and maybe it won't always be this way but I would say today this is at least for what we're seeing a prime, uh, prime destination for folks of course Places like Malta and Spain as well, um, you know, especially for, as, as you were saying, Americans move, wanting to move to Europe and especially for retirement or digital nomads, um, you know, maybe different destinations for people who want to find local work. That's a quite, you know, different profile. And that might be more in Germany or Netherlands or, you know, the UK or yeah. places like that. Um, but yeah, as far as what we're seeing, it's Portugal and it's it's the the pace of life. It's the, you know, the cost of living. It's. The, um, the opportunity to do dual citizenship, to have dual citizenship or apply for that after five years of residency here. It's the fact that there's this D7 visa that people could use or the golden visas as well as many countries have, if they have the funds for it to be able to live here, to work toward that and um, to do remote work uh, and yeah. be able to qualify for some of those visas. There's also this non-habitual resident tax status here, which essentially can quite you know make make the taxes you pay in portugal very low for 10 years uh potentially 0% on foreign sourced income um yeah you know, depends on the type of income and where it's coming from but there are even benefits for people that are are working locally for companies here which is what i did when i first moved here as a uh, found a job here and so at any rate, you know there's a lot of reasons for it, and uh, you know people have different preferences and what they're looking for. And some people are leaning more toward the Spanish culture or language as opposed to Portugal, or they want to go to Germany because of their family history there, or you know their their friend from childhood, or whatever the reason is. But we are seeing a lot of people wanting to come here to Portugal, so we're more than happy and more than ready to help people do so. <laughs> but um, but of course, I try not to push it myself too much. Uh, but it's if you do compare things as we do in our destination comparison, we might compare five different countries, for example. A lot of people will come, you know, come to the decision of Portugal on their own without me making any, you know, effort to push it. But but yeah, that's the best answer I could give at this point. I
0: subscribe to a magazine. It's really a a newspaper, International Living. Mm -hmm. And that comes through my door once a month. And they're always promoting Portugal as a desirable place to go. Uh, mm. there's others but in my neck of the woods it's costa rica and panama mm. right and they're looked on right. as being uh stable um good healthcare systems and they're not that far away so you can be in costa rica fly out of miami in what three three and a half hours so people who go and live there and they want to visit family back in the states it's not mm. that bad right absolutely yeah so um Quite a few people uh, move down, there at, and I say stable, good healthcare system is 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 good. Panama, same thing. And if you go into Latin America, Ecuador, uh, to I've never been to Ecuador, but uh, mm-hmm. they look up, uh, at that also. Now, yeah. for the more adventurous, Asia, Thailand always comes up. And what I understand stand about Thailand is they welcome digital nomads into their country, and they will give you, I think it's a 10 year visa or something. It's substantial. And, or if you retiree invest a bunch of money into yeah. Thailand, you can become a, a permanent resident there. Now, Thailand is wonderful. No doubt about mm-hmm. it. I've been there a few times and whether the beaches in the South jungles in the North or in the big city, chaotic Bangkok, it's, it's quite the place. So, do you work with people that want to go to Asia as well? It's all over the globe, isn't it? But uh, right. yeah. Have you helped people move to Thailand before?
1: Um, I have had conversations with people about it. Uh nothing that has happened as of yet. And obviously that probably has a lot to do with the pandemic situation, some of the, the lockdowns and quarantines and things that have, have happened as far as Thailand and, and Asia in general are concerned. Um, we do have one partner there in particular that can help people to. Um, essentially do remote work from there more permanently. So as you said, there aren't a lot of, of course, it's a huge place for digital nomads, but the challenge I believe is uh, from what I've understood, of course, I haven't, I've been there, but I haven't um, tried to be a digital nomad there. But essentially a lot of those people tend to work on this type of visa run basis to go to a nearby country, come back in.
0: And and you can
1: do that for a while until uh, what I've heard and even guests on, on the, our podcast that have lived there have just warned that, you know, there maybe you'll get tipped off about it beforehand, and you can be out of the right spot. But if not, then you know they could definitely ask for your paperwork and crack down on those things if you've been in and out of the country consistently um, for a long period of time. So there are companies that are coming up that are trying to help people do that in a way that they can work toward more permanent residence. They could potentially, you know, or whatever that entails. Um, but just do it more on, on a long-term legal basis as opposed to kind of always being a bit in the gray area from a legal perspective. And as you said, there are these uh, different visas that include ones where, if, you know, it's a pretty substantial inven- investment, I believe you have to make into it. I don't remember the number off the top of my head, but, um, but, you know, you could do a 10-year visa there. Um, so there are those options as well. But as I mentioned before, I, if I were to Uh, boil down the profile we see it's a lot of people wanting to come to Western Europe so of course more than happy to help anyone to move anywhere we've had people that are very interested in moving to places like Australia you know to France to uh, to Germany to Netherlands Um, you know not as a a bit in terms of uh, Asia because also yeah I lived in Japan so there's definitely some interest there Um, but it, it that's what we've seen more of. I think a lot of people with the digital nomad mindset just jump on a plane, uh, assuming they, you know, there's the lockdowns and all that. The restrictions are fine, and they'll just arrive in somewhere like Thailand and so on. and Maybe not have that long term perspective as to how to how to do it, you know, uh, fully legally above board long term. Oh, it's got to be um, but done Of course, legally, yeah. if they want to do that long, <laughs> if they get to that point, uh, we're more than happy to talk to them as well. Um, but yeah, I think that's, that's kind of what we've seen so far. And, um, I'm a big fan of Southeast Asia and Asian in general. So hopefully we'll see more, you know, interest there, but, uh, but I think a lot of people are looking to kind of the, to ease the transition into life in Western Europe and maybe to get that EU member state passport, and then to just have that sort of backup security. I think that's what a lot of people are looking for yeah.
0: Exactly. So I don't know what the factors are to get people into Asia, but I know about the visas of the thing. The cost of living, in Thailand is cheap. However, Singapore, I was there during two thousand seven, two thousand eight, is although Singapore has, you know, an advantage. It's spotlessly clean, no crime, one of the best healthcare systems in the world, but it's very expensive, right, mm-hmm. to live there. Oh yeah, yeah, Absolutely. and it's gone up even more so when I was there. But Thailand is sort of is good in the fact that it's sort of. Um, not that high cost of living there. And the healthcare system is also pretty darn good there. I've been in a Thai hospital myself there and healthcare is, is just wonderful. Now I study things called world indexes. Do you ever look at these things, world indexes? It looks as a study of what country does best in the world at something. Mm -hmm. Right. Right.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. And one of the factors that comes up here, um, And it may be a factor of why some Americans leave. It's safety,
1: Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. There's
0: a world safety index. And the USA is about 127th in the world, which is quite low, you know? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So you're aware of that. I I live in a safe town here, but not far away. It does have a crime problem, you know? So people Mm -hmm. do worry about that. There's other places that... You know, I could just walk down at, down the street one day in the wrong area, and who knows what may happen to me. That sounds like I'm paranoid, but it's not. But people are sometimes mm-hmm. concerned about that. They want sure. to go to a place which is safe. I don't know Portugal is safe, right, and most oh, yeah. of Western Europe, of course. So you, you'll feel safe walking anywhere, basically, where you are. Yeah,
1: definitely um, in countries like Japan, which I think is up there with Singapore at around number one and number two and yeah portugal i don't remember the exact ranking but it's got to be top 10. um yeah these are these are very comfortable places and that is definitely a concern that people have and i can understand it. having you know grown up in the us as well and moved to a number of different cities um you know there were times that i wasn't staying or living in the what i what i thought would be the safest place and um I I totally get why people are are interested in that. And of course, that's something that we help them think through and look through their options. Um, What I would say though, that actually impressed me quite a bit is even living in the city of Berlin, very large city, very international, very diverse, multicultural, um, and also very kind of grungy. And, you know, it's got, it's got (laughs) that, it's got that graffiti side and everything else. But in the entire three years that I lived there, you know, there was, Maybe only one time that uh, there was like one sort of testy, a bit aggressive guy on the train that got mad at me for reasons I didn't understand. Um, But besides that one incident, which of course went absolutely nowhere and there was no ultimate issue with it whatsoever. I, I, even coming back at 2am, 3am, (laughs) 5am from the Berlin clubs, right. It's a, I had no issues whatsoever. And I think just being able to be in a place where, People and people are drinking outside legally, you know, that's, that's the law there. So to be able to be in a place where you don't have to worry about that. And that's just like, just of course, taking the Metro when you need to, or this, this or that, but like even just walking back or taking your bike, um, it's so freeing. And I think, uh, being able to be in a large city like that, see that happen, makes you realize that it's possible. And I think once you know that it'd be hard to go back into a situation where you do feel kind of that general sense of potential danger around the corner or just like exactly, yeah. you know watching over your shoulder type thing.
0: I worry about it uh, where I am I'm in a relatively it's, it's grown up when I moved to uh, Destin Florida. It, it wasn't as busy as it is today. It's tourist season coming up, and it's like, it gets like a zoo here and the traffic problems, and that little bit of crime comes into the area. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. a bit unnerving. I'm all right when I'm I'm sort of off the beaten track a little bit, but mm-hmm. it is a bit worrisome, and you get on the news each day and think, God, I don't know. It's, it's a concern when you see what's going on sometimes. But I tell you what, I think most cities in the world have their bad areas. places you don't want to go into i i i I respect that but you know you're living in porto you love portugal so the big question is david where would you like to end up at the end of the day
1: (laughs) well you've asked a question that i don't have an answer to (laughs) i'm gonna be honest I, i don't even think i can kind of um you know it, it feels like one of those things where anytime that I'd have a job interview, they'd say, where do you see yourself in five years? And no matter what you say, it's going to be something completely different. Um, so all I can say right now is that we are very happy here in Portugal. Uh, I'm working toward the second you know, passport. Um, so i got a couple more years so I can apply for that. And at least that's really all I can say in terms of, a, let's say, near to midterm plan after that. Um, I mean, maybe we'll end up staying here. Of course, I'm not saying that we'll we'll leave as soon as that's done or anything like that. Um, that's not our plan necessarily. But anything past that is really hard to say. I think both of us. So my my I'm originally from the U.S. My wife's originally from Japan. Uh, but we met in Berlin. Uh, so we we met in a sort of neutral third country there. Um, and so I think our goal is just to, as best as we can keep going to at least places that are outside of our two home countries. I mean, she's interested kind of in the yep. US. I'm, I'm interested in Japan, but I think both of us, I mean, um, of course we'll go back and visit family and, and I've had the opportunity to live in Japan for two years, but I think both of us are kind of just enjoying being in these different places and it certainly makes it hard to figure out where to spend the holidays. But besides that, um, it's been, it's been great so far. So I think that's kind of all that we can say at this point. I I would love to find another country after Portugal, maybe we've been here for a decade and then we want something else. I'd love to find another country that really sparks our interest and our passion. But um, at least we feel comfortable here now, which after two years, you know, two years in uh, Japan, three years in Germany, it's kind of nice to be in a place where we've been here over two years and feel very at home and not like we're, you know, constantly searching for the next spot.
0: Well, eventually, uh, I'm a bit older than you, but I'm um, I, I just thinking eventually you're going to get me in a position in your life where he said, you know what? I just don't want to do with this anymore. I've got to find a place to live permanently and I mm-hmm. won't be able to travel. Either because you can't travel or you don't want to, or you don't want to get on a plane. That time yeah. will come, I'm sure. So yeah. you'll be somewhere, but it's too early to tell right now. You know? <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was going to say, where do you it. want to end up? And of course, yeah. a lot of people want to be, be close to, to family. And I know some people go and move where their kids are, you know, and then the kids move away. I moved out of home. Um, In England, I was born in Coventry, England. I moved out of home when I was 17 um, and just down the road from where my parents live. And then I left the country at the age of 25 to move to Canada. And, you know, a lot of my friends thought I was nuts to do that. Um, (laughs) My parents were a bit upset, obviously, uh, but but it happens, you know. So it's too early to tell where you'll ultimately land up. You could land up back in the States, actually. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah. yeah. Um, One of the things uh, you probably know about this is people moving somewhere. A company I was involved with uh, about 15, 20 years ago, um, they had an office in Australia. um, And what they did, they recruited some Brits to go work in Australia, Mm -hmm. Sydney. Beautiful city, by the way. So the Brits went down there and... Many of them are still there because they love Australia. They love Sydney, Melbourne, wherever they are. Uh, But a couple came back because of the fact is they had to revoke their British citizenship, right? Mm -hmm. That's Australian rule. It was then. I don't know if it is now. I think it's probably the same. So um, one guy I know quite well, he he didn't want to do that. So he just came back to Britain, lived in uh, Wales. And I, I get that. I'm dual citizen, I'm British, and I'm, I'm American, and but it's easy to get uh, citizenship of other countries as well. So I think what could be important to Americans or Canadians is be careful that you go to a place and you don't have to revoke your citizenship of exactly. where you're from. I think that's important to a lot of people.
1: Exactly. And that's what I saw in, in Germany as well as People living there for, I believe it's eight years that you need uh, to be able to apply for German citizenship, but then realizing or finding out or just dealing with the harsh reality that at least as at this point, you would need to, I think, in pretty much all cases to renounce your original citizenship to get German citizenship. That being said, what I've heard is that some of the people in the government are talking about potentially lowering the number of years required and also potentially opening the door to dual citizenship but as of this point i don't think that that's happened yet so that's what i saw with my my colleagues there and um, you know that's that's a difficult decision to make um and yeah it, it's something it's it's something that's very much worth thinking about from the get go like you said because getting all the way to that point and then realizing that you had to make this difficult decision if you're not ready for it would not be exactly a, wel- course, a, a welcome surprise
0: <laughs> of course the rules could change uh, but not 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 overnight Right. Yeah, I've got my British passport. And the only time I use my British passport is when I get over to the UK and I go through immigration, the shorter line. And yeah, funny yeah. enough, that's the only reason I do it. And I'm still registered. I put it in the machine. It lets me through. And I'll be waiting 20 minutes for my wife to get through. She's not a British citizen. She's American. And so that, yeah. that's just a process. But yeah, yeah, people should be aware of that. Yeah, no one wants to lose their citizenship or well, a place where they were born and raised. No, not at all. I wouldn't either. So, yeah, uh, but it's, I don't think anything's yeah. going to change here.
1: I also feel the same. I mean, at least as of yet, I intend to maintain my American one. Of course, maybe I'll decide not to for some reason down the road. But it certainly is quite a process, and especially you know, as you know, with an American passport, with not only the the tax implications, but even the challenges of actually renouncing, which. Um, you know, costs a couple thousand dollars and you have to go and do an interview, which I've heard uh, is current or I don't know if it's currently currently, but at least in recent past uh, has been on hold with COVID. And so, yeah. you know, apparently there's quite a long backlog of people trying to to get through the system and renounce that uh, their U.S. citizenship for one reason or another. But it's certainly a big decision. And at least at this point, um, I just like to increase the possibilities by, uh, by adding to it as opposed to Um, you know, thinking
0: about reducing them further. Yeah. All right. Well, this is what you do. You're going to help people through the process. And I think uh, what you do is excellent because there's probably a lot of people thinking about doing it, but they don't know how to do it. A lot Mm -hmm. of people have done it. They've, they've left the country here. Uh, But again, they've probably stayed over more in my neck of the woods as some obviously come over to Europe. So it's good that you can help people and, I'm looking at your website here, Expat Empire. Great name, by the way. And <laughs> it's funny. I see your mugshot on, on here, David. Hi there. Got any questions? I'm happy to help. Okay. <laughs> I should yeah. touch it in, in now. No, I just, but it's it's, a, it's an informative website. And uh, you basically said, which of the following describes your best digital nomad, retiree, or employees? And you take each case and go through it. So uh, expatempire.com is the place to go for that. Now, what else would you like the listeners to hear about today that uh, that we haven't talked about?
1: That is a good question. I think it's, um, if I could just share, I mean, yeah, the only thing that comes to mind is just sharing a, a small bit about why I started this business. And I guess we kind of talked about what it is and, and all of that stuff. But um, just so that folks maybe understand where I'm coming from and maybe they see some similarities in it is that, yeah. Uh, as I mentioned, I started studying Japanese at the age of 12, which is not normal. And maybe there's not a lot of people who can identify with that. But what it was for me was I found that I really wanted to live and work in Japan. That was my big goal going into university. And I uh, the challenge was to find someone who could help me to do it and not necessarily like open the doors per se, but more just be a guide, be a mentor. And so I just you know, I've told folks before, but I just remember searching the alumni database for my university. I went to UT Austin um, and I found there was one guy uh, that showed up when I searched for Japan and he was working. I was also a finance major and he was working at an investment bank in Japan. And I was like, this is the guy I've got to reach out to. I've got to contact this guy. Yeah. And I must have emailed him three or four times in my four years at university. And I never heard a response. You know. And it was like, that was so difficult. Like I kept going back to it and just like trying again and trying again. But the point is I could not find that person to sort of guide me to figure out how I get to Japan. And of course I had Japanese teachers and other folks in my university studying Japanese or, or in high school. So I had people that I could, that that did give me some help or point me the right direction, but it was not any dedicated person, and it was a lot harder uh, and a much bumpier road than I'd hoped for by the end of it. I did make it there, and that's where I kind of got this idea about um, trying to help people do it. And the way that I did that at first was by writing. Uh, a self-published book called passport to working in japan So, obviously very focused on trying to help people to do the same and ultimately then developing the, the consulting services and everything else the and the partner relationships to be able to help people to navigate like navigate this whole process no matter where they're coming from where they want to move to or what their their background mm-hmm. looks like um so you know it's all simply to say uh that it can be done i think my story can show that i've Gone now to. So I studied abroad in Singapore for a couple of months. I worked in Beijing for three months for a company uh, that I was working for in San Francisco, and then I lived for two years in Japan, three years in Germany, and now two more than two years in Portugal. And each time I moved those countries, the last three, I found a new job in that location. So it was all by finding local jobs that I basically searched yep. for on my own. And, you know, it was uh, I may, maybe it sounds easy when I say it like that in a simple way, but it was a very difficult process, very uh, challenging, took a lot of motivation, a lot of setbacks. Um, I'm happy to talk with people about that more. And I won't I won't uh, babble on too much more here, but it's just to say that it is all possible. And that's exactly where the idea for this business came from and why I'm so passionate about working on it and building a team around it, which is based around the world and um. You know, it's, uh, it's just an exciting place to be, and I think this is a great time to be doing I, it. I think so. As people are thinking about it. So happy yep. to chat with you. They
0: are, they are indeed. And, you know, the language issue isn't such a challenge these days as it was back 20, 30 years ago. I remember being in uh, Beijing, and there was definitely a language barrier there. But oh, yeah. now it's, the kids are taught English in school. They're brought mm-hmm. up on it as mm-hmm. a, a second language, which is important. Historically, there have been countries that – How about language barriers? Now, also, um, David, I was in the Ukraine just the back end of last Mm -hmm. year in uh, Mm -hmm. Kiev Kiev, or Kiev, as they say on the news here, and I was expecting a language barrier there. Well, a little bit, but a surprising number of people who spoke English. It's normal now.
1: Yeah, we we were also there uh, in the back end of 2019, um, so a couple of years ago. But, yeah, I had the same experience, and – Really, it's it's amazing, especially you know, as we are with being native English speakers to just be in that fortunate position at this point in world history <laughs> to where, you know, English can t- really take you far. And that's what I found in working as well. It's not that I, I, I ended up being a product manager for some tech companies, but I did not think about that in the context of let me become a product manager so that I can get abroad. It was more like, well, I'm doing this now and I have this skill set. And of course, with Japan, I did speak Japanese, but... Still, um, my interview even for that job was uh, 100% in English because it was a global uh, yeah. company, a global global role. So there's just, you know, there are those opportunities, and I'm just happy to be able to share that with folks <laughs> that are looking for some, you know, uh, way to find a way to get abroad.
0: Even back, I remember there was two words in English that's understood in every country of the world, taxi and beer. <laughs> yeah, Right. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone understands those words, uh, but it's obviously uh, changing on now. So it, sh- it should not be a concern. And so I tell people, you know, that, yeah, I'm bilingual. Oh, really, Malcolm? Yeah, I speak English and American. And I said, really? Well, five languages. I speak Australian and South African yeah. and New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is a difference. There is a difference. It's dialects and is. stuff. You know, and you can be around England anyway. You go to Scotland or northern part of England is totally different from Wales, right? So, oh, it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's different lingo, as we call it. But it's it's all good. Well, keep on doing what you're doing, David. I think it's a good job. And, uh, you know, I think about it sometimes about, you know, I talk to the wife, should we just move somewhere for a period of time? Or you know, and we talk about it, doesn't go anywhere. So, <laughs> so But the fact is in my brain cells as a consideration. Um, yeah. You know, you know, we might just move to the the Caribbean for a, a longer period of time. We don't know. But the fact is, because I've traveled most of my life, I still get the urge to do it more mm. and more. And uh, I've got a, uh, a diary full of stuff this year. Um, I'm going to be on the road most of the year, which I'm looking forward to it based on what's yeah. happened the past few years, right? Yeah. But the funny thing is, I've never been to Portugal mm but I've been to the Azores, which is a Portuguese territory. Oh, yeah. you know? nice. So I'll have to visit there one day.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Definitely let me know when you're in town. We have a monthly meetup that we do here in Porto to help you meet other expats and tourists. And- oh, that'd and be good. Locals. There's
0: probably a bunch of Brits there as well, isn't there?
1: There are. There are, definitely. Yeah. yeah well, there I mean, <laughs> there are a few you know, hot spots of where people are coming from as well as uh, where they're moving to, so... A lot of Brits, a lot of Americans, um, but people from all over, definitely.
0: Excellent. All right. Well, enjoy life over there. Sounds like you're doing it, uh, David. I wish you well for the future. Keep in touch. Thank you.
1: And Absolutely. Uh, you're
0: on LinkedIn. I'll send you a LinkedIn connection, all right? So, Sounds uh, good. Thank you
1: All right, so man. Much.
0: Anything else you want to say before we bow out of here?
1: No, I think that's about it. We'll be happy to talk to folks. And if they check out uh expedempire.com, then <laughs> they can see me on the live chat or uh, send us a message and we'll set up a call.
0: All right. We'll have a good weekend. Talk to you All later. Right, you too. Take Thank care. You. Bye-bye.
1: Bye-bye.
0: Many thanks for joining me today. This is Malcolm Teasdale signing off. Before I do, please check out my website, malcolmjteesdale.com, for more information about my travels around the world. Okay, folks. Talk to you later. Bye for now. Stay safe
1: we <laughs>